Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Chapter 1, we see that Christ is better than the prophets. Chapter 2, we see Christ is better than angels. Chapter 3, we're going to see that Christ is better than Moses. We're going to preach this this evening. We're going to go through here measuring against Moses. Measuring against Moses. We live in a hero-centered world more than ever before. People worship men. People worship sports stars, um, movie stars, political spokesmen. Even in church, we have that same bit of, of worshiping, don't we? You know, hey, Pastor So is the best ever. You know, Evangel- Evangelist Stubshirt, he's the real deal. Professor Plumhead, that, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, the pontificate. Boy, I tell you what, he lets at it. Such and such college is the cream of the crop. This camp and that camp, everyone else is a false prophet. Heretics, burn them! And I kind of a little bit of a, you know, went off a little bit of a Monty Python skit right there. But, you know, everybody wants to go <laughs> off and kind of flame somebody else or kill somebody off or write somebody off. off. But it, the problem is, is we're always seen to have that measuring stick where we measure one another against one another. The Bible says that if we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we are what? Not wise. Bible says we're not wise. If we're not wise, we're fools. When we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Now, I personally don't have this problem. I've seen other people do, and I'm better than they are. But um, <laughs> but uh, pitting ourselves against other against other men, and it's easy to do, especially when we see men going and doing the wrong things. I mean, face it, we can look at the world around us today and see blatant disrespect of God's word. We can see blatant disrespect of morals, of things that are just plain out right and wrong. And even when it goes against the course of a nation, it doesn't take a genius to look at one person against another person and say, hey, this isn't right. This is messed up. So having said that, Paul identified that this ridiculous behavior was even within a church. Before we get ahead of ourselves in that, let's get chapter number three, Hebrews chapter three. Won't be very long tonight. I've got it outlined, but it won't be very long. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house." For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be, which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a what? As a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold to fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, or err in their hearts, uh, in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my into my rest. Take heed, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning, if we hold the beginning of, our, of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today if you will harden, hear his voice, harden not your hearts, and this is the provocation, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This passage, on a quick tangent, this passage is a key chapter for works-based salvation. They use this passage and they take it to mean that what happened physically in, in, in the wilderness is what happens spiritually to those who don't continue in. It's not about soul salvation. It's about living that life that's not going to be displeasing to God and coming to that fullness of spiritual blessing. Okay? It's not a works-based chapter. I had a guy get up when I was in high school. We went to a, to a school. The name of the school was Linwood Christian Academy. And if you asked my dad, my dad would go, it wasn't Linwood, it wasn't Christian, and it wasn't Academy. And it was just like a one-line stand-up joke. But um, you, this professor, the, the, the pastor of the church that the principal went to, um, it was called Harvest Worship Center, and it was in... It was in uh, kind of by Stuart, Virginia. And he got up there and went through Hebrews, verse by verse, chapter through chapter for the year, showing work salvation. Repent of your sins, maintain your salvation by good works, or you're not saved. Went through that entire thing. And I mean, every 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 lesson, he'd either open up with, with questions or he'd end with questions. And so I learned to tailor questions or to tailor my debate in the form of questions. And soon enough, he kicked me out of class. Because I shut him, because I was literally, every time, he, he used a passage, he would go through a passage, and he'd go, every time. This, you cannot take the book of Hebrews, it's impossible to take the book of Hebrews and preach two doctrines. You cannot preach dispensationalism through the book of Hebrews. It's impossible. You cannot preach dispensationalism through the book of Hebrews. Because Hebrews openly says it's a shadow of things to come. It's a shadow of things to come. It's not a dispensation. It's not allotment of time. It's a shadow. It's a type. It's a figure. It's a shadow. He says that repeatedly through the, through the chapter, through the chapters. The second doctrine you cannot preach through the book of Hebrews is a works-based salvation. This is impossible. You cannot do it. But there are some people who would take this and run with it. But I want to go back and point this out. If you want to have victory in the Christian life, you cannot do it with unbelief. You can't fall short. You can't go back. You can't, you know, the Bible says if we, if we, 
if we, you know, paraphrase it, that if we start believing, we stop believing, he still remains faithful. And I know I, I butchered the verse, but bear with me on that one. But there's, there's, there's no way that a believer in Christ could ever lose their salvation. Amen. Now, there are those who draw back to, to perdition, the fact that they go back and they walk away with Christ, they walk no more. But a person, in, in there are people who start off like they're going to start serving God, that start off like they got saved, and they seem like they got saved, but their profession is not genuine. And they're proving themselves that they were not one of us, they were not of us. Or else they would have continued with us. Okay. Now having said that, it's possible for a Christian to backslide. It's very possible for a Christian to backslide. But you can't go from a person who believes in God to go to become an atheist. Right. It just proves they never were. Okay? So Hebrews chapter 3, we're talking about this measuring stick against Moses. And the first seven verses, the first six verses, it talks about, about Christ being better than Moses. Now, Paul, going back to this idea about comparing ourselves amongst ourselves... It's not wise to compare a man against a man. But it's always wise to compare ourselves against Christ. Because, at, because Christ is our pattern. Christ is our example. Christ is the person who we want to become like, right? He's a, and we'll never become God the Son. We understand that. We're not Mormons, right? But we understand that, we're, that we want to become this perfect person of who Christ wants us to be, mature, and be the best Christian we can be. And most Christ-like, we all want to be that way, I hope. I hope, and if you don't want to be that way, something's wrong with your heart. And I'm not talking about you need some pills. I'm talking about you got to get some truth in you. We all want to be more like Christ. We ought to, Our desire is to be like him. And one day we will be like him. Right? And that, that's the blessed hope that we're going to be like him. We shall see him like you know as he is. But Paul looks back at this church in Corinth and he sees this ridiculous behavior of comparing man with man. And it got to be where they even said, hey, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas. Is Christ divided? Are we supposed to be divided here and there and everywhere? Why, we, why do we lift up men to a place of worshiping? We should never lift up man. We should lift up Christ. And that's something that we all have to guard ourselves against, especially when we have such a hero-centered worship of everything we have. I mean, some of the top movies that's come out of Hollywood is like movies like Marvel and Superman and you know, all these different things. We got to have some superhero that we can follow after. Everybody always has to have some hero to look after. Our hero, the person that we ought to lift our, examine ourselves and compare ourselves to, and that's Christ. That's Him alone. It's unwise to compare Gabriel against me. It's unwise, no matter how good Gabriel is. It's unwise, and no matter how bad I am, it's never wise to compare man against man. We should always compare ourselves against the things against God. You know, to compare scriptural things with scriptural. Christ, though, he, you know, pe people look and say, oh, well, you're supposed, you know, don't be such a, a wimp and don't be so passive. You know, Christ attacked people and Christ lifted them. You know, Christ, you know, Christ lifted up John the Baptist and. You know, those people who want to say, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paul, whatever, it's because they're sitting back, they're not doing anything for the cause of Christ himself. And I wrote this, and I, and I read it, and I thought it over, and I think it's too sarcastic of what I was going to say. So I'll, I'll rephrase it, because it's, it, is really, uh, it is really sardonic and over the top. But even when Christ was faced with his disciples of pitting man against Christ, or pitting man against man, Christ rebuked his disciples 
because there were some people out there preaching in Christ's name that weren't in their circle, that weren't part of their fellowship, that weren't part of their clique, that weren't part of their group. And Christ told them to leave them alone because if they're not for us, they're, if they're not against us, they're for us on our part. But yet they wanted to go and rebuke these men for preaching the gospel without being part of their clique, part of their circle, part of their deal. Christ didn't compromise. He wasn't lallygagging. He he wasn't failing to personally call out people outside, you know, outside of his group. But he was very clear that hey, if they're preaching the gospel, leave them alone. We set so much criteria against people of whether we should follow them or whether they're any good based on man-made criteria. If they're preaching the gospel, leave them alone. I'm going to say that again. If they're preaching the gospel, leave them alone. If they're preaching the gospel, they're my brother in Christ, and they're preaching the gospel, I'll, I'll support them any way I can. Even those who despitefully use and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, you still should bless them. They're the household of faith. You're supposed to do good. Bless them and curse not. That's what the Bible says to do. There are some people that come after you. And they attack you. And it's easy for us to rend evil for evil. But the Bible tells us not to. The Bible tells us to love and to forgive. To curse not. To bless them. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Especially to come out full, full, you know... Full fist flirt fury is going at you for no for no apparent reason. <clears throat> but Christ sets the tone and shows us on that. You know, Christ followed after Moses in this pattern. Well, I mean, he followed after Moses, but he he took after Moses' example, where Moses, when Aaron and and, and uh, Miriam were coming after him, he didn't speak evil back to them, and yet he was still there, willing to forgive and pray for their healing when God judged him with leprosy. Here in this passage, we see the writer of Hebrews explaining the comparisons between God and man, and that they'll always re result in man's insufficiency. Whenever we compare ourselves against God, we'll always show insufficient. Well, that makes total sense, why we would compare ourselves to each other. Because if I'm one rung up the ladder higher than you, I can look back and laugh. That's usually what happens. But Christ, in this passage, he has shown himself as being, the as Moses is showing himself to being the servant. But Christ is that son. Moses was a great leader. He was a great prophet. He was a great lawgiver. He was a great, he was a great man. The meekest above all the face of the earth. He was meek. He wasn't a wimp. He killed a guy with bare hands, right? And if I had bare hands, I could kill someone too. <laughs> but, uh. He was a leader, he was a prophet, he was a lawgiver. He was all the things that Christ, Christ was a leader, Christ was a prophet, Christ was a lawgiver. But Jesus was the originator, he gave the law to Moses. He's the one that gave the law to Moses. When you look at Moses, he was that servant. He was that example, he was that servant, but he, he, he was never going to get the heir. He was never going to become the heir, because Christ is that heir. As great as of a leader Moses was, he was insufficient, and he entered not into the he entered not into that rest because of his unbelief. Failing to enter into the rest of Canaan is not the same as failing to enter into the rest that is Christ. 
There is that difference. Go to John chapter 1, if you would. I started the service, I turned the heat up. Is anybody stifing hot? Is anybody cold? Is anybody just right, complacent? Is anybody not going to raise your hand because you're Baptists? All right, sounds good. Thank you for that. John chapter 1 and verse number 15. Now, this is talking about, about Moses. About John the Baptist, starting off with John the Baptist first. It says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he, this was he, excuse me, of whom I spake, that uh, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Doesn't doesn't mean that Jesus didn't come with, with law. Because the Bible says he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So Jesus didn't come with a new way in, in destroying the law. He destroyed the law by, by fulfilling the law. So um, he destroyed the, he, you know, but, but grace and truth that came by Jesus Christ. Then go to John chapter number 6. When Christ, when Christ compares himself to Moses, and he does, he points out Moses' insufficiencies and points out his how he supersedes. There's another word for it. I can't think of it. His supremacy. That's the word. Thank you. It took me a minute, but I born it. Was that far-fetched? Did you guys get that one? Okay. I'm giving you guys an ultimatum. Did you guys get it or not? All right. John chapter 6. Come on! That was great! Verse number 28. <clears throat> then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Verse 29. Excuse me. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore to him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I have said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father give me shall come unto me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. And he goes back and he's pointing out the differences between what Moses gave, what Moses had in the wilderness, and even what Moses gave was not of himself. Moses didn't provide manna in the wilderness. God gave manna in the wilderness. Right? So Mo even what Moses was accredited for, was attributed for, and was accredited to his account, didn't happen. Moses didn't 
come, didn't call down manna. Moses didn't provide quail. Moses didn't provide water. That's what God provided. And Jesus says, I am that bread. I am that bread of life. So he's, he's pointing out the difference. And of course, they start arguing even more in John chapter 8. You see him arguing about the comparisons between uh, Moses, whether Moses was, you know, hey, we have, you know, we're not a bond. We're free. Abraham is our father. We have Moses. And they're going back and saying all that they had. But Christ is saying, all that you have is insufficient when it's compared against to me. For those who out there who like to think that Moses and Jesus preached two different Gospels, go to John chapter number 5. Verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For ye had believed, for ye had believed Moses, ye would, for had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And there's an argument out there, because I was looking at this this past week, of where did Moses speak of Christ? Where did he speak openly of Christ? And the answer is, you're not going to find, then said Moses unto them, and then following through about Christ, but you will find what Moses wrote. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Five chapters, or five books of the Bible, pointing out this sacrificial lamb, this lamb that was to come, the Passover lamb, all the sacrifices, all the lambs, all the lambs that were left, that were offered up, and their blood could not fill that, that bitter cup. Till that one spotless lamb in the form of man came and died on Calvary. His blood is the only blood that could ever set my soul free. Right? He's the only one that could ever save us is that spotless lamb. But he did speak of Christ and being that prophet that would come and you can find that back in Deuteronomy chapter number 18. You can find where he does specifically go back and mention about this prophet who's going to come and be that person that's going to come and, and, and be what the people need. Verse 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. Verse 17, the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken to they which have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet 
from among their among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I have commanded them. This passage, I believe, speaks of Christ because this is what he's this is what came out. He's, he spoke with such power, he spake with such majesty. He never never a man spake like what Christ spake. And he was raised up from among them, just like the Bible says he came into his own, his own received him not. This is Christ, he came up of his own, but he is that prophet, and he is to be heard. I gotta stop. Um, but it you know, Moses preached Christ, all the prophets pointed to Christ. He wasn't he wasn't a newfangled idea that came about through Paul. This salvation has always been through self. It's always been through Christ and Him alone. And there's so many people that will measure up those people who who hold up the Ten Commandments as a way to maintain their salvation. They're putting Moses as equal to Christ. They're putting Moses as being chief to Christ. And we know the truth that Christ is the only hope for salvation prophesied to the Old Testament, and now preached about through the New Testament. Amen. We see Christ being that, being that the only one who can bring salvation. Moses wasn't, an, wasn't in opposition to Christ. Moses was on a different game playing field. He was preaching of Christ. And I don't see how people can preach a works-based salvation out of Hebrews. I don't see how people can preach how people can preach a dispensationalism through Hebrews it's it's quite impossible it's quite impossible but just measuring against Moses we come you know Christ always comes out chief against anyone Christ always comes out chief uh, Daniel why don't you come up and lead us a couple more songs <laughs> 